Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Ron Tana. And welcome to our 905 Roundup uh, for this Thursday uh, Thursday day. Um, it's been a heck of a week, or a heck of a, a couple months for us as we covered the municipal elections happening in the 905. We're hoping that you, you found it enjoyable and informative and maybe it helped fill in some of the gaps in your decision-making process. We hope so. Um, in case you missed it, uh, you missed a three-and-a-half-hour marathon episode session Roland and I did on Monday night um, just to cover jumping around from one municipality to the other in, in the 905 to see how the results were coming in. Uh, what, what were your thoughts, Roland, as, uh, by, uh, overall on the, uh, on the election night? Uh, it's a phrase, a very old-fashioned phrase, like the curate's egg, good in places. I never really understood the um, <laughs> that phrase. It was good in places, basically. I mean, I think Hamilton's election, Hamilton had a good election night. Um, not the perfect election night, maybe, mm-hmm. for some, um, but good. Um, a, a much more progressive council. Um, some old faces who, I, you know, I, I don't think everybody knows where we stand. Those guys needed to move on. We weren't backing candidates, but there were certainly candidates we felt needed to move on. They did. Um, the good candidates from the previous council are back. Um, most of the the real troublemakers, and really, you know, troublemakers is not too strong a term for some of the people on, on the old council, are gone. Um, Sam Marulla was, was kicking and screaming as he went out the door today, making it a very long, lengthy um, set of allegations at the Red Hill Valley uh, inquiry, um, uh, knowing that the inquiry basically gave him carte blanche to say what he wants because it's it's protected legally from from you know things he couldn't say outside that room. Um. Uh. So yeah, I mean, so some good things there. Some some good candidates didn't win. Um. But um, you know, uh, I think that was a good night. Um. Elsewhere. Um. You know, Oakville. Uh, Rob Burton survived by the skin of his teeth. Um against uh, uh the challenger there um, well, how about this the fact that there was no there were no changes really uh at the senior levels of, of municipal leadership in the 905 out, uh, outside of well i'd argue there's not a change in hamilton or in bond uh mostly because those two elections the existing the the previous mayors were stepping down so they had like brand new ones um but like Mississauga, Brampton, Burlington, Oakville, uh, and Milton all re-elected their mayors, uh, some longer serving than others, uh, with, yeah. kind of, with kind of very little change in council makeup either, maybe like a couple replacements here and there. But Well, Burton was the closest one to losing. I mean, that was a sure. very close race. But yeah, it's really hard to beat an incumbent. Um, Julia Hanna in Oakville... That's her second time running against Rob Burton. Um, she ran him close in 2018. So she has, you know, she's been going hard at Rob Burton for a long time now. She is established as the person to vote for if you want change. And she still couldn't quite do it. Um, and, you know, that just illustrates how very difficult it is to beat an incumbent in, mm-hmm. um, in municipal uh, elections. Uh, it's really not easy at all. 
um, and how diff difficult it is to overcome the name recognition thing. Because if you look at um, Hamilton, we look at Vaughan, there's two former party leaders. And okay, they were both close races, very close races in both cases, again. Um, but the, the person with the name recognition ultimately won. Um, uh, well, it's not just a sign of how many... And also, voter turnout was... I think uh, Hamilton was about thirty-five percent. I think at last check that we when we turned off, but I don't think any municipal race went above thirty percent. Uh, hovering between twenty-five to thirty percent was the average, I think, and that that's telling of just how many people are tuned in to elections. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is appalling. Um, there's all kinds of reasons for it. I mean, not. I, you know what? I'm not going to blame. It, it's easy to just say, "Oh, you damn voters! You have no right to anything." People don't vote for a reason, um, and it's because we basically we're not selling um, the election to people properly in a way that attracts them enough. Um, uh, it's it's a failure. Ultimately, it is a failure of media of the political of the. Of the political classes of the of the municipalities themselves, um, to, um, to 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 properly do things that will bring more people in. Basically, um, we run these elections. We we you know the year of an election. There's a little bit of of a splash about it. The way that the voters lists are created and not, have not been good historically. Many people, particularly um, renters, are excluded. Um, you know, the whole thing is still geared to the idea of property ownership in many ways. So if, if you own three houses in three different cities, you get to, th you can vote in those three different cities, um, which is, you know, a, a strange kind of thing, um, that we have still, um, yeah, the other issue, and that's something that we've, we have talked about is that how maybe, maybe this is showing a bit of hypocrisy on our part, but just how, how minimal power a municipality has. I mean, the number we'll we're going to talk about this later in the podcast, so I don't want to, you know, spoilers. Uh, but you know, the number one issue for people was development and housing affordability. Uh, and if you look at any polls governing what, what were the issues affecting nine times out of ten, that was cost of living, housing affordability were at the top top of those those polls pretty consistently. You and I have talked numerous times in this podcast how frustrating it is for a municipality to properly chart its own development, uh, which is a pretty damning indictment of, I, I, I want to say the provincial government, it's not just the progressive conservatives, the liberals are just as, as guilty of this, that they have not properly uh, uh, structured municipalities to give them the tools that they need to properly develop on their terms. You can give guidelines and goals that they must reach uh, I think that's fair, but the, the the promise just doesn't trust its own creations. I guess is what I'm trying to say, and that turns off people. People people will complain all they want about oh we want to, we want to choose where high rises go. We want to choose how, how things are developed and where the the urban growth centers are, et cetera, et cetera. But the province won't truly give that, those powers. The, the municipalities constantly have to go back to the province to say you know like Oliver. Uh, uh, in the Dickens novel, you know, please, sir, can I have some more? And it's just a, 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 cl a cudgel 
that the the am I used cudgel cudgel yeah <laughs> a big a big stick that the promise <laughs> gets to beat the municipalities down with whenever they get too uppity, which is one of the things that we wanted to see. I wanted to see in the municipalities a bit more. I wanted to see a bit more change because you know we had people like uh, Zihamid uh, on who not not necessarily about open rebellion, but just saying you know we need to stand up. The municipalities need to stand up for themselves a bit more and demand a bit more power and a bit more respect from the province. I don't know if we're going to get that with well, the, the yeah, and the municipalities to need to be putting pressure on the political parties that that might form governments in the future, whether that's mm-hmm. the Liberals or the Greens or the NDP or whatever. They need to be putting pressure on those parties to be creating better legislation for for the municipalities to be, you know, the the two leaders who now, ironically, both mayors at the last election um, had very little in in their platforms about hardly a mention of the of the OLT or the OMB, LPAP, whatever it was called that week. there was talk about affordable housing, but nothing about reform to municipalities, the way the democracy works in municipalities. Um, and I think if the municipalities work better, they, they can get that onto the agenda. I mean, we are jumping somewhat ahead. I mean, and I said that there were elections that were good last night and there were elections that were less good. I think um, Milton really missed an opportunity re-electing Gord Krantz. Uh, um, I understand that the turnout was was really bad. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. I mean, they're also... I mean, I should say that uh, uh, there are now um, more women on Milton Council. There are There's more diversity, I believe, on, on Milton Council now than there was before. So there are good changes happening. But that, that, that the mayor's... Um, table which 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 is you know the mayor obviously is important even if it is partly as a figurehead for a city um it kind of creates a tone but the idea of the mayor is that they are elected with a vision for the city as a whole they want how do they want the city to progress what sort of industry do they want to attract the city do they want to build up uh the the you know the cultural flavor that they want to uh, uh, encourage and things like that. The court Christ doesn't even have an email, but you know, that, that's kind of how out of touch that we are in that, you know, and that's the, that's a sad state of state of affairs for a city of Milton's size and growing dynamic dynamics. Uh, the, the other, I kind of moving closer to Toronto, uh, talking about Patrick Brown getting reelected as well as Bonnie Crombie getting reelected. I mean, those are two, huge uh, uh municipalities in the, in the 905 they should have a lot of sway and a lot of power and when they stand up and say we need x y and z my concern is bonnie, bonnie Crombie, i think has a shot at, at really being the voice now for the 905 it, my worry is that if she tries to pursue that mexit plan that was a little kind of like, in my opinion a little bit of left field she might lose the opportunity to really stand apart and being a leader she she seems to me the best poise right now to really stand up and say you know we need a we need to fight for some change the other one is uh patrick brown is i think going to become a lame duck mayor uh he's he's too enwrapped in scandal and innuendo that these things are still going to continue under his term as mayor which i think is ultimately going to harm brampton's chance to develop itself for the next four years 
uh, going forward. Uh, and moving up to, to Vaughn, I don't... Here's the thing. I think Stephen Del Duca, uh, along with Andrew Horvath, now that they're mayors, maybe they have a chance to showcase to the voters there and the the province as a whole, you know, maybe, maybe what did we miss out by not giving them a shot at being premier uh, this term? Will they follow through? Who knows? I, I can't. I can't say. Well, I'm a lot. I'm a lot more hopeful about Horvath than I am about uh, about Del Duca. True. I have to say. I mean, he did the everything that he ran on in his candidacy for mayor was basically to to look as much like a conservative mayor as possible. Um, to talk about you know gridlock, which let's just be bloody clear here. There's no city in the 905 that has any problem with gridlock you may have traffic that is sometimes inconvenient that's not gridlock it's one of those phrases that people throw out there where they you know what is actual gridlock where it's when you can't get anywhere because the whole city is ground to a halt in such a fundamental way that you can't unpick the the, the traffic jam at all you're just stuck i'm not sure if that's ever happened even in toronto to be honest so stop talking about bloody gridlock um and, and he argued for a decade and a half at least that the answer to gridlock was better trans uh, transit and better transportation and he's just run a campaign which didn't mention those words or hardly mentioned those words well also everything he all of his solutions were pretty much at the provincial level it would take a it would take a minister's minister of transportation's order and the ontario budget to start fixing it such as you know coordinating go transit and and uh 407 tolls was one of the solutions uh, it's like the, you know when, when someone, out of his someone running for mayor says they're going to reduce 407 tolls i mean at that point his campaign should have been over that's the most outrageous garbage i've yeah. ever heard anybody say you know it's from a serious candidate at least running for public office as a at a mayoral level i mean do we not know the history of the 407 and how uh, how successive governments have not been able to, you know, short of taking the 407 back into public ownership, which would cost billions of dollars, um, you can't do it, basically. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, it's so incredibly, I mean, it's insulting to the intelligence of the voters yeah. and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I'm very disappointed about that. I'm very disappointed that so-called centrist progressive should basically, for the sake of getting elected, just become a conservative overnight. Um, I, I, do, I do think it's interesting, though, that Rick, we, we mentioned this last night before uh, we, we turned off the microphones and went to bed. Right now at Queen's Park, there is no opposition to Doug Ford really not effectively the ndp and the liberals are both leaderless uh they are who who knows how that will, and no and nobody's chomping at the bit for either of those positions which is maybe that's just, uh, another episode we should focus on the fact that we are a few months into the provincial uh mandate of doug ford they both parties are leaderless and nobody there's nobody organizing that we know of uh uh for those positions, which is telling in itself. 
for both the NDP and the Liberal parties. I mean, there's um, people ruling themselves out. I mean, well, Catherine that's a, uh, Fife ruled herself out today, I think. Yeah, like um, people are running away from those positions than they are jumping into it, which is telling. Anywho, so that leaves a question. Well, who exactly, who is the political opposition to Doug Ford's plans? And again, foreshadowing folks, we're going to be talking about this later in the episode, so stay tuned. But it's going to come down to the municipalities, the municipal leadership, the mayors. Um, and quite frankly, as I said before, if that's the case, my money's going to be on Bonnie Crombie or Andrew Horvath now to really stand up and say, no, Doug, this is the line. We want, we need this, we need a, an ability or power to properly address housing, uh, uh, housing affordability and, uh, and the like. Uh, because the current government's attitude is just, well, we just need to build more sprawl, essentially. And for a city like Mississauga, that's not possible anymore. They have no more sprawl to exploit. Hamilton just made a, a, in the last term, they voted basically to stop sprawl. They voted against expanding their boundary. What what will this mean uh, for the municipalities? They might have to start digging their heels in this term and say, no, no, no. It should not be possible for the provincial government to overturn the, the very democratic, very uh, very appropriately done decision of the previous council not to extend the urban boundary and to focus on intensification because intensification is what every government has talked about for the last uh, uh well, since the Places to Grow Act, which was 2005, something like that, um, you know, we, we've been talking about intensification, and Hamilton said, yeah, we're on board. We, we're going to do that. We're not going to just sprawl. There's no need for it. We don't need to do it. We can do it with all those empty parking lots downtown, all the empty spaces in our single-family home neighborhoods. We can do it. Um, and my prediction would be, that that will get overturned sometime in the next few months uh, by the province. That is an outrage. And the first job of Andrea Horvath and the new council should to be create merry bloody hell over that and then go and talk to Milton, uh, not Milton, to Halton, Halton region, which made the same vote um, a few months ago and will be facing the same overturn of their democratic, uh, carefully decided uh, uh, planning by the province and say, hey, Halton, you've got the same problem we have. We're not going to take this anymore. Um, we're going to do whatever it takes to to stop this. We're going to talk to our residents. We're going to get them to work on this campaign to stop this because it's not on. The, the, there's a reason why the federal government can't just arbitrarily do stuff in the provinces. You know, Justin Trudeau can't, much as he might like to, just overturn a piece of legislation from Doug Ford. Um, in other countries in the world, nor can they do that to cities. For some reason, Canada has, you know, it's the worst mistake in, in the Constitution, this this thing that created, that put cities in the position of creatures of the government, but they are basically just sub-offices of the Ministry of Municipal Affairs, um, with this sort of facade of democracy plonked on top. Why don't we Why don't we uh, take a break with that? Because we're this is, is going to be what we're going to talk about in the next half, and uh, so why don't we just take a break from that, and we'll be back right after this message from our sponsor, and we are back. Uh, so, 
we've been te- te- teasing it all uh, uh, in the preamble for this episode. So why don't we just get into it? Um, so yeah, we had we had a, a municipal election. Everyone's happy. Yay! New councils, brand, fresh new council smell all around. Uh, let's take it for a test drive. And it turns out uh, the premier Doug Ford is saying, "Nope, psych. Uh, not not so fast." Uh, the the CBC as well as uh, the Narwhal and separate uh, articles are basically talking about how the provincial government uh, has come out and basically said that they are going to long story short over override a lot of municipal zoning and 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 develop, development matters uh, starting with our uh, conservation authorities this is a we talked about this with the Halton Conservation Authority way back in our episode because uh, this was something that Doug Ford tried to do before he said he wasn't going to oh yeah I mean, he'd already weakened them this right. now he's gutting them this um, is this is like neutering them to an nth degree and basically the idea is because again this is a government that doesn't understand government so they're thinking oh these guys are just uh, uh, they're, they get in the way of development they're, they're an unnecessary red tape nonsense when they're not they're a very important part of ensuring that we don't build on uh, floodplains, that when you build a house, you're not building it in what was once a swamp. You're not building it in a place that could uh, one day flood your basement or, you know, your, your, your foundation rots out. It's things like that that are very important to homeowners. That's what conservation authorities were designed to do. Doug Ford's scrapping it, uh, gutting them. Who knows, to, you know, what the, consequ- what the consequences will be. I don't think they'll be good, but He's also bringing uh, willing to use ministerial zoning orders to promote uh, development. Um, there is a, there is a, a one silver line. They did seem to bring in some mixed density usage. Yeah, uh, no, and that that, that that's good. Quite yeah, and that's fairly radical. Not as radical as some people would want. So yeah, I mean, let's actually start with the good thing. Sure. So they have decided. Sure, you take the good thing. Rolls. <laughs> well, no, there's plenty of bad. Uh, don't worry, but I. You know, this, to an extent, this is how they operate. It's like, we'll give people a good thing and hopefully they won't notice the bad thing. Well, you know, these kind of omnibus changes to, to the Planning Act, um, uh, where, well, let's put it this way. The gloves are off this term. Um, th- this stuff is a, a major, major changes to the to the way that planning is done and the way that housing and development is is. Uh, monitored uh, and and we make sure that things are safe and done rightly um and yeah there's the good side to this which is the basic the veto that that the cities have long had over single family home neighborhoods you know basically the homes where middle class people live people who own their own homes with the double garages and their front yards backyards kind of archetypal well, literally, the phrase Doug Ford used himself to tell you was the kind of white picket fence house um, that we all apparently aspire to. Um, those he is taking away a, a he is taking away that that protection, and that protection is and has been far too strong, and has meant that all development either happen, had to happen on on green space or downtown. Um, and that that created problems, and I've certainly said that. I think we've both said that for a long time. It's like, yeah. So increasing density, gentle density, in those neighbourhoods is a good thing. Uh, and he has been now. His number of problems arising from that. One, 
immediately before the last election, he said he wasn't going to do it. He then ran on election saying that they weren't going to do it. And now the election is over. They're doing it. That is a lie. Um, it is a travesty of democracy. This party has now run twice without any kind of platform. You're meant to run on a platform saying what you're going to do. We get a chance to judge it. Then we vote based on, on what you say you're going to do. And you form a government or you don't. They've broken the rules. I mean, the 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 polite rules of engagement of our democracy were this is how it's supposed to work. Um, they've thrown out that that thing and say, no, we just want to govern. You vote for us. And then once we're in, we'll do what the hell we want. No one has been pushing for the gutting of conservation authorities. There's no public demand for conservation no. authorities to be destroyed. And my understanding is most people like the conservation authorities. They like what they do. And believe me, they're not what's holding up development. They just are not. Um, they do a very efficient job. Um, and, you know, there are, I can point to buildings in Burlington that, that, um, that have been built, that maybe shouldn't have been built, because under the current legislation to do with what's safe and what you can build where, they wouldn't be allowed. Uh, now, but there again, there's the point. Those buildings will now be built again. Um, I think the interesting thing to, to take note is uh, there seems to be a, a move by this government to to remove the, I don't want to say barriers, because that, that implies that they're, they're arbitrarily, they just the, the regulations regarding development in this province. And th these aren't needless regulations. These are, conservation authorities do a, an important job of helping us develop our cities away from floodplains uh, watersheds, uh, wetlands, those kind of things that are a needed for our environmental uh, protection, our ecology, uh, our protection against the climate change, but more importantly, so that our houses aren't built on bad land. Like it, it, it's a, it's, these are good things that shouldn't be needed. But again, this government doesn't see it that way. It's like because the developers, well, I, I want to build on that piece of land, and. I can make so many millions of dollars on, off that plot of land, but the conservation authority won't let me do it. It that it's laziness on the on the developer's part to say, well, okay, I need to find somewhere else to build. The ministerial zoning order just says, well, we don't want to put up a fight with municipalities who say, well, we we kind of want to have a say in how our how our cities and towns look. The result is a government that kind of spat in the eye of every municipal government uh, last night that every municipality went out elected a new government uh but this, didn't know that basically doug ford was going to come in the next day and say yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what this council wants or what the city declares it wants i'm i'm going to roughshod because my buddies say it's easier for me just to uh to to build on this plot of land and i bring up that phrasing because Hamilton just had this debate a few months ago. Hamilton had this debate on whether or not they wanted to build into their white belt, the last remaining vestiges of developable green space in their, in their boundary. And they said, do we want to expand into that? And the council, in one of their last good decisions, said, no, let's focus on infill. Let's focus on the, the, the crumbling downtown that needs new development, that needs new housing downtown. Let's build there first. Then we'll worry about expanding later. 
despite the fact that developers wanted to expand into that because it's easier. It's easier just to build a new neighborhood, a new, a new detached white picket fence home than it is to renovate an older building, than it is to build an apartment building or a condo building. We're, 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 we, we're, we have a complex issue of needing to, in, needing to develop living space for you know, 1.5 million people or probably more than that now uh, in, the, in the province. And rather than looking at inventive ways to preserve our green space and to meet this need, Doug Ford is basically just going for the lazy man's approach to say, well, if there's a field there, I'm going to build a house. And then I can say, I built a new, I, I built more housing. That doesn't meet the needs of what we, what we require. Um, it, it's a bad decision all around. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I will. I mean, I haven't seen the the detail on on the on the single family homes thing yet, but I mean, they they are actually risking some some political. There's some political risk with with that, um, but I mean, I, the one thing I will say about the kind of single family home um, increased density is that, by and large, I do not see how that will be uh, the kind of building that big developers are interested in or already able to exploit that land already belongs to people it belongs to individual homeowners if you want to take your house and put a a, a, um, a, tri- a duplex or a triplex or whatever it's called on uh, on there um, it's going to be the person who currently owns that house who is not a developer um, so there's, there's some good things there I have to again say okay there's some good things there but it, the cost of this is just utterly trampling all over local democracy um you know at every step of the way when, when doug ford does anything to do with the municipalities the 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 price is less power for municipalities um they're already weak he's making them weaker and we need to trust democracy more not less you know and basically it's like well you know People get in the way, so kick them out of the OLT. I mean, basically, nobody had any power at the OLT anyway. He's taking away whatever remaining power people had there, which was almost zero. Um, uh, uh, the you know the conservation authorities they they get in the way, get rid of them. Uh, basically, uh, make the cities do their job so quickly and so such a short time frame that they can't do it properly. They physically can't do it properly, so they either do it incompetently, in which case they're they're liable to be sued by someone down the road, or they fail to do things by the appropriate timeline, in which case it gets appealed to the OLT. So there, we're back to that situation where everything gets appealed to the OLT as a matter of course, which basically means that all development is, all significant development is now uh, defaulting to being a provincial decision in the hands of a bunch of faceless nobodies who are appointed by the province. I, um, I just it, want to it, say that I think I might get to tell me that the, 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 the notion of, oh, we're going to be able to infill uh, uh, into tri- duplex, triplex uh, uh, housing is, is a red herring. I don't, I, I think, I don't think it, maybe you'll see a couple pop up in your in your neighborhoods you might see a, a a homeowner who says you know what i i'm one i'm gonna become a landlord and and, and build that the reason why is because 
the one-off projects, fine, you'll get that happening, but you're not going to get the massive industrial scale building. Like no, de no developer is going to come into Hamilton now and say, okay, some of these buildings that need massive work, we'll, we'll tear it down and we'll rebuild uh, uh, good housing for, for people, affordable housing. They're not going to do that because the profit margin isn't as big. It's oh, going to be no. it's going to be more lucrative for them to go to Doug Ford and Steve Clark, Minister of uh, uh, Municipal Affairs, and say, "Listen, uh, I need you to let me build on that plot of land there, that that green field, that farmland that's there. I can I can build you a hundred homes there with you know d double car garages and a good good yards in them. They'll look beautiful and all that, and I'll be able to turn turn a profit of a couple mil couple." maybe a hundred million dollars or so where the math works out. Well, we were sp speaking to the spacing podcast uh, a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago and that exact point came up that someone has said, well, you know, basically it's selfish Toronto denying, you know, not allowing gentle density in single family home neighborhoods is why we're getting sprawl. It's like, no, you'll get sprawl regardless because developers, that's the cheapest option to a developer. It's like, give mm -hmm. me a green field. I can build a house cheaply. Um, it will cost the city more in terms of what they have to provide, but for the developer, it's the cheapest possible option. And and that's not going to change with, with, with this uh, change to single-family homes. Most people who own property in single-family home neighborhoods live in that home. They're not going to suddenly, most, the vast, vast, vast majority of them aren't suddenly going to wake up one morning and say, hey, I, I already have always wanted to live in a duplex um, and, I, and I can build one on my own property. So yeah, it, it's not going to be a revolution. It's going to be more of an evolution, but I think that evolution could be good. Um, but yeah, all the bad stuff that's going along with this is, is really bad. And, you know, coming back to the whole, we haven't looked properly at the strong mayor proposals yet, but we have a bit, but they're not, I mean, let's, first of all, let's dispose of the whole strong mayor phrase. These are not strong mayors. These are mayors with additional powers to do what the province wants. That's mm -hmm. not a strong mayor. That's a that's a, um, a, stooge that's for a puppet Ford. mayor, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're a strong puppet. Um, and I think that's maybe the phrase that we, that we should use from now on. Um, it, it's another way to undermine the municipalities and to undermine their, their, their you know, and basically there's this, this ridiculous confidence trick that's been done on municipalities when it comes to planning that Doug Ford is now extending to everything. And that is that you have to do what the province says. As long as you agree with what the province says, then we'll give you the powers to do it. But the, 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 the fact that we're electing you and that you're meant to be independent politicians is, is just constantly undermined. The danger, the danger is, and this will be my final thought for the night, uh, the danger here is is it going to be too much of a temptation for a mayor? Like the, oh, absolutely. the, the, the eye, the eye, my eyes are now on Andrew Horvath because Hamilton was one of the cities that Doug Ford said, Oh, I'm going to give this power to you. And I, I personally think it's a bit like making a deal with the devil. I think, I think it truly, it would be um, for Andrea to get those powers. The expectation will be from Queens park, from the premier's office. We expect you to use them on these things such as, Develop, you know, pushing for uh, uh, development in the in the white and uh, the, the white space, white white space that they just voted against. You know, are they going to bring that back to the table? Who knows? Well, are they going, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the and, irony that, is, that, it's just it's they, the, the, that there's enough in there, like to, to to choose your own 
city manager and, 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 you know, the high profile positions, that's a tempting offering. You say, you know, okay, but you know, can't, well, if Doug Ford comes calling and says, Hey, Andrea, I need you to use your powers to, to do this thing for me. Is she, is she going to have the backbone to say, no, I'm not and take them away. And the irony is it's going to, everything is going <laughs> to end up even more caught up in appeals processes to OLT or whatever body they create to, to, to do this thing because they've always already said that so so say andrea horvath wants to do something to do with maintaining and strengthening the decision to not sprawl and i hope she would do that but now under the strong mayor system um it's like well yeah but does that go against provincial policy um Yes, it does. Well, uh, and actually, well, we need we need a tribunal to decide whether it goes against tri- uh, provincial pro- policy or not. So we'll take it to this tribunal, and we'll spend a couple of years deciding whether this is good policy or not. By that time, by the time it's gone through that, the election will have come and the mayor will be gone. I mean, you're 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 basically giving the province the power to second guess everything, and even you know. Uh, and you know, as we've seen with the OLT and the OMB for for decades and decades and decades, it makes the role of the cities an absolute farce. Um, it's hugely costly. It's hugely expensive for everybody involved, including the developers. Um, the other thing we should mention is is that as part of the new proposals, uh, Ford is rolling back development charges, and it's like, oh yeah, the great idea. Let's get rid of those those charges on developers that make housing more expensive or whatever. Well, if the if the de- developers don't pay for it, if the people who are buying the houses don't pay for it, who does pay for it? You're still going to have to pay for your drains. You're still going to have to buy, pay for your garbage collection and your roads and your sidewalk. You're still going to have to pay for the fire uh, service to cover the new uh, property. Who pays for that? The taxpayer does. So what's what's happening is is they are taking funds that are currently paid by developers and they are transferring them to us, the taxpayer, who will have to take that burden instead and it's a fucking confidence trick um i'm quite annoyed about it <laughs> well aren't we all um well i think that's it for tonight folks uh we're hope you enjoyed the municipal election uh both two days of it and we're right back into the same mess that we were before it seems uh we'll see what happens next um take care everyone and we'll talk to you tuesday bye-bye bye-bye <laughs> That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.